This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. The title of my message tonight is Two Hats, One Head. Two Hats, One Head. Um, because it's always good to have these things and have a bit of a visual actualization of what we're talking about. Uh, So the first hat we've got tonight is a baseball hat or an army hat, if you like. Um, It's uh, very simple. Uh, I'm not even telling you where I bought it, even though it says on it. To me, this hat speaks of work, 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 work all day long, early rises, hard slogs, uh, getting stuck in, uncomfortableness, discipline, boring, just terrible. This time of year, we're not interested in an army hat. We're not interested in that sort of thing at all. We want holiday hat. <laughs> a holiday hat, which my wife has said, if she sees me in it, she will kill me. <laughs> 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 so obviously Gary's got his eye on that one already. <laughs> so holiday hat. This is the time of year for a holiday hat. Uh, it's kick back, enjoy the sun, relax, take time off, go on a holiday, go see something else, go museums, go, go sightseeing. Uh, forget about the beach body. If you don't have it at this point, you're just going for the, I'm going to barbecue my body. <laughs> That's all you're doing. So those are two hats tonight. Two hats, one head, and I'm giving you a choice tonight. There's a choice of which hat we're going to go for. Which hat will we wear? Um, because it's a, it's a tough question. It's a difficult question. I know which one I lean towards uh, naturally, uh, but we're going to look at the scriptures and see what God talks about here. Um, he doesn't actually use talking about hats, but I'm using it as an illustration. So you have your Bible with you this evening. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm doing a few studies recently in the Old Testament and it's fabulous to see how God talks to his people, how he deals with his people through the Old Testament, um, how how it relates to us as well, because these things do relate to us. So Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 11, we're going to read from. You may be familiar with this passage says in verse 11, for this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us uh, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to to possess. But if your heart draws away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life 
that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that, you're, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob to give to them. Yeah. I just, the first week section there, first couple of verses are not as pertinent, but they're relevant. He says there, it's an easy message. It's not a complicated message. He says to them, you don't have to ask who's going to go into heaven and get it. You don't have to ask who's, who are we going to send on the voyage of Sinbad around the world to try and discover what the truth of this is. God is very clear here. It's Moses writing it, yes, but it's, it's God that has inspired him. Now, we think of inspired as someone who looks at a nice sunset and feels inspired to write a poem, but that's not what inspired means. Inspired, inspired means that God has actually put the ideas into his mind, and what he is writing down is what God would say if God had a hand that was writing it down. This is what God is saying to him. It's not a complicated message. It's not beyond your scope. It's not so complicated that you need religiousness to, to, to explain it. Uh, he's saying it's simple. It's a straightforward message, which is comforting to us in our, in our where we are today because our human tendencies with religion and that sort of thing is to make, make Christianity seem so complicated, seem so hard, seem so difficult to understand seem to be something that we have to, we have to sit down and really think about what it means to be a Christian. But God's telling the children of Israel to be an Israelite, to follow my commandments, isn't that hard? Yes, the commandments are difficult. We'll get into that. But he's saying there's no extra hoops to jump through. I'm putting it out there for you right off the bat. Here's what it is. There's nothing mysterious about it. This is it. Which is good to know. Because that means... We don't have to wait for someone else to come along with a new revelation. We don't, that's why that's I get into the New Testament and Paul talks about if an angel comes from heaven with something else. God's saying the same thing here. There's nothing else. This is it. Straightforward. It's simple. It's a message that you're going to understand. It's a message that's clear. He tells them it's going to be in your mouth because earlier on in the book of Deuteronomy, they're encouraged to talk about their relationship with God. They're encouraged to tell their children about what God had done for them and where he had brought them. He said, when, it, when they come to you and ask, Why we, what's this about? What's that about? Well, then you can explain to them. So God is encouraging them to have it in their mouth, to talk about it, to share it with one another. It's a good reminder for us as well. God has placed before the children of Israel here a clear choice life and death, blessings and cursings. It's a profound statement. You think about it. It challenges their decision-making. It, it challenges their way of life. It challenges everything they do. To us, it challenges us. God has given us a choice. He's given us decisions to make. Will we make the right decisions? Will we make the right choices? How will we evaluate the things that face us every day? What, will, what, what standard will we use? What will we look at and, and measure up these decisions, these options, these opinions against? The things we see on TV or we hear from our neighbors and our friends, what measurement will we measure that against? Will we measure it against what everyone else is saying, what everyone else is feeling? Well, what are you feeling like today? I'm just not sure. I feel a wee bit hot, but I'm not taking the jacket off. So there's, he's playing before them a choice, and it's challenging. It's challenging. It's tough. 
The choice is really obedience or disobedience. Follow me or don't follow me. The news flash tonight, though, is God wants us to follow him. He wants the children of Israel to obey him. God wants us to choose life and blessings. He wants us to choose those things. He, he doesn't want us to choose the things that are, lead to death and cursings. He doesn't want us to choose disobedience because disobedience leads to those things. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to live and li have life and blessings. He wants us to have those things. He doesn't want us to feel. See, once you realize that God doesn't want you to feel, that'll revolutionize your relationship with God. It'll revolutionize your relationship with the Bible. Because you're looking at it now as something that God wants me to succeed. And here's the blueprint to how to succeed. He doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want you to be destroyed and, and go to, to death and destruction. He doesn't want that. He wants us to live, to have life and to be blessed, to be his people and be cherished by him. He doesn't want us to be shut away from him in hell. He wants us to come to him and to obey him. Now it's important in this passage as God is telling the children of Israel, you've got a choice. They'd spent many years wearing the hat of a slave. Spent many years wearing the hat of a slave, following another, another one's orders, another one's way of living, living by another man's standard. They'd lived like that. And now they had, they're given a moment of freedom. They've been brought out of the land of Egypt. And here God's saying to them, okay, now you've got a choice. Are you going to choose life? Are you going to choose death? It's almost like he's pointing forward to the promised land or back to Egypt. Which one do you choose? And there in that moment, and whether we like to admit it in our sophisticated society, we, we will all pick a hat to wear. We might pick the army hat you know, put it on like a baller and wear it back to front or something. This hat, it's a nice hat, it's a casual hat, it's a laid back hat. We all pick a hat to wear. It's our tendency to pick something to follow, some way to live. I remember I used to work in Belfast and I always had a chuckle. In the city hall there, all the, the goths were out. All of them, they're anti-establishment, stick it to the man, live my own way. And they all dressed the exact same. They all wore black and, and plaid and, and <laughs> they all had chains and piercings and all that. Look the exact same. Because our tendency is to follow, to flow, go with the flow, to put on a hat that our neighbors are wearing, someone else is wearing, and to, to fit in and to be comfortable and to be, not to be conspicuous. But sometimes those hats lead to bad places. They might be put on sometimes for the good reasons and for legitimate reasons. I mean, think of King Solomon. He wanted to, maybe he wanted to spread his influence throughout the region. And maybe he wanted to get wealth and prestige. So he started marrying into the families of the nations around him. He would marry a daughter or a princess of the king or whoever. And next thing he'd bring her back to Jerusalem. And the scriptures teach us and tell us that what he would do is he would build a temple to her God. I want her to feel comfortable. She's away from her family. She's in a foreign culture. I'll make her have a wee temple here. And what might for some have been the golden age of Israel turned to be the beginning of its demise. 
because slowly the nation started to turn its hearts away from God, started to mix. They started to put on the hat, started to put on another hat. But God is clear. He warns us to be careful. See, God doesn't want us to fail. He doesn't want us to, to, to go that way. He wants us to succeed. He warns us in Ephesians about believers are warned about being blown about by every wind of doctrine and everything that's going on around us. God wants us to embrace him, to follow obediently after him. He doesn't want us to walk in disobedience. He's very clear. There is restrictions. There are things I want you to do and things I don't want you to do. But as Jesus said in Matthew eleven thirty, he says, take my yoke upon you for it is easy and my burden is light. So putting the other hats on, the following after the, the other princesses of, Egypt, of, of these surrounding countries might have seemed comfortable and easy, but there was a terrible price to pay. There was something that was going to come down the line that was going to punish them. I think the reason why that we sometimes fall into traps where we get swept up in things is that we fail to grasp as people, all of us, fail to grasp the eternal nature of our lives. We're not here just for a, a year or five years or 10 years or 50 years. We're not here for a short period of time. We are here for eternity. I don't mean in Moira, but we've been created for eternity. There's something about us that will outlast this building, that will outlast these clothes. Something about us which will go into eternity and it, it will last forever. We fail to realize that sometimes. We think to ourselves, I'm only living for the next holiday. I'm only living till I retire. I'm only living till this. I'm only living to that. But God over and over again tells people to be, you know, we are here for eternity. There's something of eternity that God has given us. Pastor this morning talk, spoke about this treasure in earthen vessels. God has put eternity in our hearts as the scriptures teach us. Something that will last forever. Something that's important that we treasure and we cherish. This life that God has given us, this existence. So our decisions in this life matter. They matter. And here God is warning the children of Israel that their decisions matter. What things they decide to do today matters because it'll affect them tomorrow. So let's see if we can get a wee bit more clarity on what these two hats are and the importance of them. First of all, you get the context, the context of Deuteronomy 30. The children of Israel had come out of Egypt. That means they had been saved and then they got the law. See, the law doesn't save anyone. The law was not meant to save anyone. The law was meant to point them to God in a profound way. See, they had spent all their time in Egypt, hundreds of years in Egypt, there, the nation had been there. And it had lived under these, underneath the Egyptian laws. The Egyptian laws were given by Mayat, I think her name was, the Egyptian goddess of justice. So every time they obeyed the laws, they were obeying Mayat. So obviously that's not right. God doesn't want them honoring a, a, a foreign God or a false God. So God decides, I'm going to lay down the law. I'm going to give them a law that's going to be different. It's going to be different. It's going to be actually, in many ways, it's more gracious than the laws of the, the surrounding nations. And God wants them to follow his law. He wants them to obey his law. 
The choice that God had given them was the law. Now, it had nothing, it had something to do with the covenant. It had something to do with the law, but it had everything to do with their relationship with God. The law was everything to do with their relationship with God. In this day and age, we're facing more and more, we hear more and more about social engineering. Maybe 10, 20 years ago, we talked about social engineering in, in terms of China, where they're socially engineering their cultures, so they're homogenous and they all act the same way, believe the same thing, wear the same thing, I'm sure, and, and have a homogenous society in that sense. And there's no, nothing externally affecting them, but they all behave and think and act the same way. Societies have been doing it for centuries, but the Communist Party in China has been very visible at doing it. But now in the West, we're seeing it more and more and more, social engineering, where they uh, started off with, with uh, um, uh, what do you call them, cookies on your, on your computer, which gathered information for every site you went to. So you would get tailored shopping on your computer every time you turn it on, you get it on your phone, you'll see the adverts for things you might have browsed. I don't know how many times I've got Ch Japan. We've looked at holidays for Japan. It keeps popping up on my Facebook now all the time. But these things pop up because they have seen where you have been. And then what it leads to the next step was they start to go as you go to YouTube or you go to one of these platforms and you start to watch videos. So then it starts to identify what type of videos you watch. And it starts to then plant those on your feed as if to say, hey, you might like this, you might like this, you might like this. And then you can see they start to then narrow it down. Okay, we'll cut out some of these and we'll put in some of these. And slowly but surely, they are socially engineering us as a society to start thinking a certain way, embracing certain things which 10 years ago would have been taboo. And they start to change society to, to culture and things like that there. And you can see it over and over again. And God's very clear in the scriptures. He's out to do a bit of social engineering. He's out to create a people who are named after him. He's out to create a people who represent him. What better way to get a people to represent you than to give them the law, to introduce yourself to them, to get them to think the way you think, to get them to act the way you would like them to act, get them to be aware of what things you like and what things you don't like. And that's what God's doing to the children of Israel. He wants them to represent him. He wants them to be his face to the nations. And he's getting them to act, to, to understand who he is, to understand what his character is, to understand what his personality and, and, and so, so to speak is, to understand what God likes and what God doesn't like, to understand what God, what God will bless and what God will not bless. So who's better representative to the nations is a person who knows God, who understands what God is like. Now we can jump forward to the New Testament and we're told to be Christ-like. Because Christ, God, through Christ, is doing the exact same thing to us. He's getting us to conform to the image of Christ, whereby we are transformed and we can be the best ambassadors of Christ on this earth that there is. And it's a privilege. It's a privilege for the children of Israel. They, they sometimes didn't appreciate it. And as, as we were reminded this morning, in, uh, that they get puffed up and, and being cracked pots, But God was introducing to the children of Israel through the law who he was. I want you in relationship with me. I want you to sort of understand who I am. I'm not like those gods of Egypt. I'm not like those gods of the Canaanites. I'm not like any of those gods you've ever encountered. I'm a different God. There's a special way you have to approach me. Now, we know that the, the, the law did not save anyone. 
And it was merely designed to point to God and to show them who God was and what he was like. And for some of the, the Israelites over the years, they did embrace it. They understood that. David most of all understood it. In Psalm 19, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much uh, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Doesn't sound quite so burdensome when he puts it that way. Elsewhere in the scriptures it says, in Psalm 119, a few just references, it says, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought your precepts. It also says, for I delight in your commands because I love them. It all goes on to say, oh, how I love your law because I love your commandments more than gold, more than pure gold. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. The, the law was leading him and leading the children of Israel to the point where they should understand God more. I say should because it didn't always work that way. Some of them got, a, got the wrong end of the stick. They got puffed up in the fact that who they were and who they thought they were. But as I pointed out, God had led them and saved them out of Egypt. He had delivered them from Egypt and then he gave them the law. Then he gave them an opportunity to obey him. It's difficult for us to understand sometimes that Grace comes first and then obedience. We like grace, we love grace, but I want the grace to do whatever I want. I want the grace to, to do whenever, whatever I want. And as long as I don't sin against God, I'm okay. But God tells, God's telling the children of Israel and he's telling us that after salvation, after grace, there has to be obedience. There's an expectation God expects us to obey. I'm not talking about obeying the law. Clearly, we're not under the law, and the law, law wasn't going to lead us to, to, to God or to salvation, I should say. But we're still expected to obey. Jesus pointed it out. We forget it. We brush over it. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. That was Jesus. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. It's difficult. Jesus is telling me to obey. I thought all I had to do was accept him as my savior and that was me. I thought that's all I had to do but he wants me to do something. He expects me to live a certain way, uh, to obey him. I've got to read something else. Luke eleven twenty seven, And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he said more than that, 
Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So obeying is not just an Old Testament concept. It is a New Testament concept. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Pastor asked me to read that one out. <laughs> James 1.22, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not, for, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Good news is, I have a list. I have a list of a few things that Jesus commands. I'm not going to read them all out. But Jesus has left commandments for us. Things that he wants us to do. Things that he expects us to do. I've saved you. Now I expect you to walk in perfect liberty. Walk in this way. First way is repent. What greater command has Christ given than to repent? Repent. The command to every man on the street should be today, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Let your light shine. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Be ye reconciled. Love and pray for your enemies. Seek God's kingdom first. Don't judge. Don't give what is holy to dogs. Enter heaven through the narrow gate. Beware of false prophets. Forgive. Forgive 70 times 7. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Love God. Love your neighbor. Take part in communion. Keep guard against sin. Make disciples. Preach the gospel. Be on guard against greed. Love one another. That's not even all of them. But we're expected to obey. I think that, that the reality that God expects us, that Jesus expects us to obey, obey him, obey his commands. There's a lot of people who are Christians and all they thought is they got the ticket, I'm saved and that's enough. But how are you going to... Scriptures tell us that when we get to heaven, we see him, we will recognize him because we will recognize our, the change in us. We will see him and recognize him because we will be like him. And if we haven't been obeying him and we haven't been getting into the word and we haven't been praying and we haven't been seeking his face, how are we going to be like him? We have to be careful with these things. I don't like legalism, and I'm not talking legalism, but I'm talking straightforward, simple, step-by-step obeying Christ. 
walking in forgiveness, walking in love one to another, letting our light shine, repenting of, of sins. That expectation was upon the children of Israel that they would walk in the law, that they would come to represent God. The expectation is upon us that we would follow Christ, that we would walk in his steps. He said, follow me. Didn't he say that to all of the disciples? Come, follow me. I'm taking my dog out in the snow there. A couple of, the last couple of years ago, it was, took her out in the snow. And if you've seen my dog, she's knee height to nothing. And she learned very quickly that she has to go behind me in my steps because she couldn't <laughs> walk through the snow around our way. And I can tell you, I learned very quickly as a believer the best way is to follow in the master's footsteps, to follow where he has led, follow what he has shown me. Here's a step, step in it. Here's a step, step in it. Here's a step, step in it. It's a clear choice. See, God has seen firsthand countless times, countless times, he has seen firsthand the consequences of disobedience. He's seen firsthand the consequences of someone doing it their own way. He's seen the effects on families, on communities, on individuals, of, of people who have disobeyed God, who have walked away. You've been in, if you've been saved any length of time, you've been going to church any length of time, you can say the same thing. I have seen the effects of people who have walked away from God, who have walked away in disobedience to what God has, has laid out before them. Seen the effects on, on communities. We forget about that. It affects those around us. So let's look at these hats again. Consider this again. The holiday hat. I love the holiday hat. I love to kick back, get time off work. We keep saying, don't set an alarm in the morning, but it never works. I always get up early. The holiday there's no alarm clock. Casual clothes every dinner, every day. Dinner at nice restaurants, museums, taking it back. What do we say when we put on the holiday hat? Ah, this is the life. But on the other hand, we've got the army hat. When you join the army, what's the first thing you get? It's a uniform to identify you with those around you, identify you with your squad, with your group, with the army you're with. You've enlisted and trained for combat, prepared to defend your life and the life of the person next to you, disciplined, toughened up, taught to obey your commanding officer and his orders. This hat represents obedience, discipline, faithfulness, it's not an easy hat to wear. I'll be honest. It's not an easy hat to wear. It's not, but it's an important hat to wear. It's as though God is laying these two hats before the children of Israel. You've got a choice. What are you going to do? Now we have hindsight. We can look back. And we can look forward a couple of chapters from this point here. And what's happening? Where are they going? It's the book of Joshua. They're going to war. You ever see one of those post-apocalyptic disaster movies? 
where everything's gone to pot, there's no computers, there's no electric, there's no nothing, who survives the longest? Is it the beach bum? Is it the guy who's a surfer dude taking time out? Or is it the soldier who's been trained, who's prepared for what is at the head, who's ready to defend his life, who's ready to forage and to survive? Joshua 1 verse 10, only a matter of chapters over. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you. They went to war. They went to war the next few days. See, God wants us to succeed. He wants us to embrace life. He wants us to have the blessings that he has promised us. But he wants us to follow and to obey him. 3 John 1 verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. If we think we can cruise and have a beach lifestyle, a holiday hat lifestyle to our relationship with God and our walk with God, we're going to be in danger. Going to be in danger. Not just from things that are coming in these last days, but from things we'll face in our own individual lives, unable to stand against them with no foundation, moved around, swept back and forward by things that are going on around us. But if we're diligent, disciplined, devoted, hard words to hear, but important words to hear, reading his word, praying, seeking his face, coming to church and gathering together as God's people corporately, then we'll have the ability to get through the storm. We'll be able to represent Jesus in a way that's real. We won't have to wonder what God would say, what God would do. We don't have to wonder what he is like. We've been exposed to him. We've been taught by him. We've been instructed by him. We've been shaped by him, molded by him. And these are the days, these are the days, if ever there was a day that they needed a people, that God needed a people that looked like him, a people that walked in his ways. If ever there was a day, this is the day. If ever there was a society out there that needed to see people who were real believers, who believed that what God has said is true, that Jesus was alive and that the king is on the throne. If ever they needed to see a people who believed that, who lived that, these are the days. The people out there are so deceived and so swept around by everything that's going on around them. They're busy taking this hat and putting that hat on and putting that hat on, putting that hat on, confused and distraught, bluffing it out. This is the days that God needs to see us standing up and being accounted for, being the people that God has called us to be. We are his children. We're expected to be like him. We know what happened to Israel and how they started to compromise, how they started to bring in other religions and put on other hats, as it were. I pray that tonight 
that you've been encouraged and challenged. I know I've been challenged. These are words that I find difficult, but they're important words. Because it's important that we have the truth and not some truth I've made up, isn't it? Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.